So a t-shirt company, I found this fascinating. Fascinatingly stupid. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted. I've stopped counting, as I think I said last week. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Bill Petrie, and with me, as always, is the good time player man from Coshocton, Ohio himself, Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you? I am doing extremely well. Lots of lots of balls in the air, plates spinning, as it were, but that's, I wouldn't have it any other way. How's, how's life in Nashville? Life in Nashville is fantastic, and, and I know you've got a lot of exciting news, and hopefully we'll get to that today about uh, your brewery. I think uh, our audience definitely want to hear would want to hear about that. Okay. But I know what our audience really wants to hear about at second number 33 of this recording, and they want to hear about Bam Bams and how they are really our distributor's partner for domestic rust production of apparel, apparel accessories, and custom sourcing. We've had these discussions for several weeks now, and it's really time. If you've thought about going on your portable Google machine, but you haven't quite typed in that address yet, today's the day. Go to www.bambams.com. Make it happen fast. They're going to help you, and because more than anything, they value the relationships you have, you distributors have with your end users. They're going to make you look good because they want to provide an extraordinary, unique branding experience through their customer service and innovative spirit. So give them that, that opportunity at BamBams.com. Make it happen fast. Absolutely. Good folks over there at BamBams. Very good folks over there. All right, Kirby, I think we are ready to light this candle. As always, I want to thank you for having the courage to do this podcast with me. And <laughs> And why don't you start us off with a topic this week, since I started last week. Okay, sounds good. So um, I love the transition because, uh, you know, the idea of having courage to bring up things that obviously are topics within the industry that um, can be compelling, can uh, bring up arguments, can bring up debates. Uh, last week, I know we um, spent a little time on the, the PPAI Spark uh, conversation, and I don't want to revisit that here, so don't turn off. But what did make me think about it is like, um, I think I love a good and healthy debate. I think that it's healthy. I think that it's important if we want to move the industry forward. And so I just, I, I guess, you know, I think you did a great job engaging um, on social media on this past Friday when, when that went live. We had great feedback from um, audience and that sort of thing. I thought it was healthy. Um, so I just, what do you think is important? What are some of the things that are included in a good debate? Well, for, first of all, and again, we'll revisit this uh, later on. In fact, um, uh, Kirby and I have already decided to do a, a separate podcast on Spark um, mm -hmm. with some Spark attendees. And we're yep. going to do that through uh, Promo Kitchen. Um, it's a, probably a better vehicle than this podcast to do that. And we're hoping to get that out here in the next uh, week and a half to two weeks. So real excited about that. But I think to answer your question, Kirby, I think the most important thing is respect. Mm. And... Um, 
I, I you know, after the, uh, the the lot of discussion that, that came out on Friday and, and prior to Friday, I had listened to the podcast uh, several times um, to make sure I expressed myself the way I wanted to express myself and say the things in the manner in which I wanted to say them. And, you know, I think I think we I, I'll speak for me. I can't speak for you because um, I don't know if you re-listen to the podcast and I never re-listen to our podcast I re- we record them and then i'm done right um but i did say you know i did say pretty much what i wanted to say of course there's a, a subtle thing here i might have changed or subtle thing there but i really kept uh, what, what i want to call uh, the high ground because i i you know really think the event was good i just thought that there was learnings that came out of it that we're not aware of and that could have been shared in, in a format that was digestible for the larger community to make to make uh, the industry better. And I think those learnings will come out, and I think we'll talk about that on on the PK podcast coming up. But I think respect. Um, For the most part, the debate I saw happening on social media, um, it was respectful. There was a couple of comments uh, here and there that probably people might might rethink. Um, (laughs) And and that's not pointing any fingers because everybody's absolutely... um, allowed to speak their mind and say what they want to say and mm-hmm. and to everyone's credit no one hid behind a, a wall everybody you know put their comments out there and and i think that kind of debate's very healthy like you said but i think the number one thing is respect and candor mm. you know and and it's not only respect for your own views but respect for the other person's views um and and i think for the most part that was accomplished from my perspective and i did not expect this uh, I don't think you did either, but I think it was the most robust, honest conversation we've had in the industry about something for quite a long time, and, and that was not necessarily the objective, but I think it's uh, that was at least my perception of the outcome, and I think that's a good thing. So mm. respect is the, the the very long-winded answer to or the very short answer to your question with my long-winded answer. <laughs> no, I think respect is exactly right. I think... Um if I'd add anything, it would be listening, right? Listening and empathy. I think so many times when we talk about debate, we think about how can I get my point across in the most effective and uh, persuasive way. I think that a really healthy debate uh, involves as much or more listening. And I, that's from my perspective, that's really hard because I think I'm right, right. <laughs> in most debates, right? So um, I think that the best ones are the ones where we kind of, someone can change their mind. Maybe they Absolutely. do, maybe they don't, but um, that doesn't happen with a, an amount of listening and an amount of empathy. And so I think a lot of that happened. So that's a good I, thing. I do too. In, in my, my my perspective is also, you know, when I we I said what I said, but I'm also willing to be wrong. Right. And I, I'm willing to have my mind changed. I don't I don't go into it saying, this is my perspective and, and it will never change. That's my, you know, you can almost couch everything that anybody says with the phrase, Right now, that's mm. exactly how I felt at that moment. Now, I, I think my my stance shifted slightly after seeing some very thoughtful comments from people yeah. on Friday, and I really look forward to our a promo kitchen podcast with uh, one of the work group members and one of the attendees um, that we're going to record later this week. And I think you know, I think we can all come to consen- some consensus because I, at the end of the day, and good lord, I hate that phrase. But at the end of all of this, I really think we all want the same things. We want the industry to grow. We want the industry to flourish. We want everybody to have a voice. We want everybody to engage, regardless of age or a generational uh, tagline. I think that's what we want. And, and I think 
I think our discussion hopefully will help do that, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So yeah. we'll see. Cool stuff, man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you you kind of led the charge on that, and I appreciate it. Well, you kind of bailed out on me on Friday. <laughs> Let me handle it all. Yeah, I'm a bad guy. No, that's, I'm just giving you shit. All right. <laughs> So I got a, uh, I'm sure you get the counselor, I get the counselor, Mm -hmm. and uh, the recent state of the industry came up, but before the actual print magazine got into my grubby little hands, I got an email from ASI, and it made me laugh. Okay. uh, Because uh, the headline was, Counselor's State of the Industry Reports E-Commerce is on the Rise. (laughs) Okay. And in other news, the sun sets the sun sets in the west every day. Yeah, I was going to say that's not exactly breaking news. No, but I thought it was a very poor headline. Yeah, for a very, very good um, report. I think ASI does a nice job with the state of the industry every year, and so I wanted to read a couple of the uh, couple of things to get your take on them. Okay. So a growing number of distributors uh, have a mobile friendly site. Seventy five percent again, no shit. Yep. Um, well, and if they don't, they should. If they don't, they're already out of business, and this they don't realize it yet. Right. So, uh, for the first time, cold calling surpassed. I'm sorry. For the first time, social selling surpassed cold calling. So, 28% of distributors reported getting the majority of their new business through social selling as opposed to cold calling. I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Yep, I think that's interesting. Um, distributors are generally gloomy about the short-term prospects of our industry. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, most firms, um, let's see, fewer distributors are expecting to add personnel this year. Only 27% think they're going to add personnel, and that's down 32 from 32%. Mm-hmm. So down 5% from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, promotional products distributors are increasingly adding other services, print and design work. I, I know you do that with video and a sure. lot of other things. Um, so I guess really what my question is, you're a distributor. I am not a distributor. I am in the quagmire that is the service provider. Um, sure. uh, you know, they're, we're, we're nowhere. We're not exactly distributors. We're not suppliers. <laughs> but we definitely support the industry. As a distributor, what is the state of the industry from your perspective? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I think it's really interesting that this year was the first year that they said that um, social surpassed cold calling. Not necessarily, because I actually think it's probably 50-50 for us, um, because I think cold calling still has a place. I think the more effective social selling becomes, the, the more it will... I mean, it'll exponentially pass it because cold calling's hard and people want to stop doing things that are hard as a rule. Um, and um, so I, what's the state of the industry? Uh, you know, Well, what is your state of the industry yeah. maybe is a better way to look at it. Yeah, I, I actually appreciate the reframing because I think sometimes because I think many of us are myopic. I don't know that I'm in a position to tell people what the state of the industry is. I think uh, from our perspective, the state of the industry is strong. Um, we are, um, adding people, people are starting to, I think, recognize our, what our values and what we're all about. Um, so, so from our perspective, it's good. And I think that you're seeing what what, the things you just read, right? Yep. It feels like the industry is saying, yeah, what you guys are doing seems right. (laughs) So let's do that because the idea of added services we've been doing for years, um, the idea of social selling we've been doing, you know what I mean? And I don't mean right. that in a, so yes, what that all says makes sense to me. 
Well, and, and again, I think the, these type of surveys are myopic. It's my, my experience, asking me questions yep. about my experience, and then you're going to aggregate the, the results and come out with uh, some sort of uh, report that says, hey, you know, look, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore <laughs> uh, because things change, things evolve, and the fact that um, the fact that social selling, I, I think everybody does a little bit of social selling, whether they realize it or not. Sure. Um, I think it's a lot of times accidental social selling. Again, mm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I did find it interesting that it's eclipsed cold calling because yeah. I think a lot of people still look at cold calling as the preeminent way to go to market. And I'm not saying it's a bad way. I still love a good cold call on occasion. Yeah. But uh, I think it's, it's it's really speaks to the shifting mindset of an industry that we we all half joke but we all you know the jokes are grounded in truth that uh, hates change and we've always done it this way mm-hmm. and the fact that social selling seems to have eclipsed one of the most traditional ways to get new business i find very fascinating yeah i, I i'd be interesting two two things that come out of that i think it would be interesting to quantify number one is uh, the way we get new business is social selling i I'm sure there's not numbers to back that up. I'd be super because I think that's one of those things that sounds like the thing that we should say, but I think if you start to look at the actual numbers, you'd be surprised. Knocking on doors still has value. Absolutely, um, everything has value. Yeah, and then it just depends on your marketplace. It depends on the person actually making the. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Great point. Um, but the other piece that I thought was interesting there is that the. Um, folks are gloomy about the industry that that because that is definitely not our state i think we're pretty optimistic here um and so you know i'd be curious to to my, dig my into guess, that i think my my guess is that people are gloomy in a short term just to be mm. very clear it's short term prospects in the industry you know most economists are forecasting a recession sometime sure. in the next 18 to 24 months and i think that plays into it um sure. a little bit um, it feels uh, like that's being have having been predicted for the last two years, but okay. It, it probably has. <laughs> well, look, everything's cyclical. Yeah, right. There will, there will be a recession, and it's anybody's guess as to actually when it's going to be. Right. But um, I just thought it was interesting. Wanted to wanted to bring that to uh, your attention and give it give your get your state of your industry. Yeah, so, fair. That's good stuff. Cool, man. Um, okay, so here's one I've been meaning to bring up for a while. And um, so you and I are both sports fans, and I only bring that up because uh, one of the channels I watch a lot of and uh, is ESPN. I listen to ESPN radio. I, You know what I mean? So that is a thing that I consume. Um, and I bring it up to you to say it's been fascinating to me because we study advertising and we pay attention to marketing and we understand you know the demographics of media um this is the first time that i am watching it happen i am um the evolution of me transitioning out of the target demographic area (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and watching and understanding as it happens. It took me a, a, about a nanosecond to start to say, oh, they're getting rid of programs I like. Oh, they're... The, and, and it's fascinating to me um, to watch in ESPN. Uh, when Colin Cowherd, who was a talk show host on ESPN Radio, left, they brought in Dan Levitard. I am not a fan of Dan Levitard. And then it occurred to me, I'm not supposed to be. They don't care. Right. right. And so I, I, I bring it up just to say, um, is that something that you pay attention to and that you, you know, like that's something that resonates with you or do you give a shit? 
so here's the thing. So I'm I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 47. I think you're 42. Correct? Uh, 43. But yes. 43. Okay. Yeah. So I'm four years older than you. Um, I remember when you hit. I I you know it, you fill out those boxes on an online survey and what age group you're in. Yep. And when you go from the 35 to 44 mm-hmm. to 45 to 54. That was a that was a big one to me. I mean, birthdays never bothered me. It didn't bother me when I turned forty. It didn't yep. bother me when I turned thirty or whatever. That bothered me a little bit because um, it bothered me a little bit because like, yeah, my advertising dollars don't matter anymore, <laughs> right? And um, but it's a shifting demographic, and uh, so I I don't it doesn't bother me. You know, I don't consume. <laughs> media like i did five years ago right um espn if you want to use them as an example and you brought them up so let's use them as an example they are about as irrelevant as irrelevant can be in my mind mm. they mean nothing to me i don't watch sports center anymore you know why because mm. i can get every highlight i want online yep. at a click of a button so i don't need to wait till 10 o'clock and watch dan patrick and and crew give out uh, home run calls. I just don't care. Right. Um, I don't watch a lot of sporting events unless it's college football focused around the greatness that is the Texas A&M Aggies, <laughs> or the pro football, which is surrounded around the true greatness that is the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and I think we would be. Uh, I think we'd make a huge mistake if we didn't acknowledge the greatness of Jerry Jones and his entry <laughs> pro football Hall of Fame last weekend for his innovative marketing. Of the NFL and uh, five Super Bowl victories, three of which Jerry was a part of. So a little, a little round of applause for one Jerry Jones. So am, am I the only one that thinks it's funny that you reference Dan Patrick as the host of Sports Center <laughs> because that hasn't been the case for like twenty years? Well, here's the thing: <laughs> I haven't watched it since he left, not because he left. It's just I, just, you know, had you, you know this? You have kids. Yep. Your your time to consume things shrinks dramatically. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I couldn't even tell you three people on Sports Center these days. Yeah, well, it was, it's so, just, it was just interesting to me to watch the change of demographic through programs, through advertising, all that sort of thing. Right. It's been, it's been interesting to live through that. So anyway, no, it is, it is interesting, and it's interesting to see how things will be pitched to you differently. Yeah, or you won't get things. You know, I, as as young as I try to remain in terms of the way I think. And in terms of embracing new things, you know, we, you know, time is undefeated. Yeah. Time is fully undefeated. It always has been. It always will be. And if you feel old, if you feel young now, you're going to feel old later. It just happens. So um, I get where you're coming from, but it doesn't impact me one bit. Cool. All right. All right. So a t-shirt company, I found this fascinating fascinatingly stupid um a t-shirt company wanted to they they have they wanted to do a rebrand a symbol they wanted to rebrand a symbol of hate into a symbol of love and peace okay they wanted to rebrand the swastika oh no as a symbol of love and peace and shockingly enough please sit down (laughs) i don't want anybody to get uh shocked by this it's triggered a bit of a backlash. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so this, this company called KA Design, and their, their, their tagline, which makes me uh, uh, giggle like a schoolgirl, um, is uh, we're questioning boundaries. Mm. Oh, I'd say you're questioning boundaries, all right. Yeah. 
So I understand trying to... And we are yes. questioning intellect. Yeah, no question. <laughs> um, but I mean, th- this is what the, the, the shirt they produced says. It's, it's a It says love, and the O, instead of an O, is a, a swastika. Oh, jeez. And then behind it is a rainbow. And where the website where they're trying to... Uh, sell these shirts says the swastika is coming back together with peace together with love together with respect together with freedom i gotta be honest with you i I very rarely get offended by things but i find this so horrifically offensive i can't even put it into words Um, i'm not jewish yeah but uh i do know that six million jews died in the holocaust and I don't care if they had used a baseball as a symbol. That symbol doesn't need to come back. Whatever symbol was used to commit genocide doesn't need to come back. And I'm sure that the person behind this rebranding really wants to do some good in the world. I have no question about that. Well, actually, I do have some questions. I have some. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give some grace. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. But how do you not think that through? Ah, oh, jeez. Well, and again, not only that, okay, whether you're trying to rebrand it, at the end of the day, you're trying to make a buck. You're trying to sell t-shirts. Absolutely. <laughs> based on the misery of one of the worst things that has happened to our, you know. The entire the, world. The world, yes. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> No, I'm with you. That is, and, uh, that's poor choice right there. Well, and as they've defended it, they say, hey, you know, the swastika before the Nazis adopted it was traditionally a positive symbol representing spiritual values and principles like love, peace, and infinity. Um, I'm sorry. That's over. Yeah. That's over. And to try to take something that has such a visceral reaction to such a large segment of people, it triggers pain, it triggers agony, it triggers hate, it triggers sadness— I don't understand why you'd even try to do it. You know what? My steak knife only symbolizes a wonderful meal until it stabs somebody, and then it's a murder weapon. Yes. I, that's just a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. But I, I, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, how does that get past somebody? Yeah, no kidding. I'm with you on that one. That's a good one. All right, we've got a couple more minutes. Kirby, you got a quick one for us? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, really quickly, one of the things that I, I hear about all the time is mastermind groups. Um, and you know, I think that in reality I have, you know, one of my friends, Patrick Clark, we meet on a regular basis. Um, you are one of those people that I meet with on a regular basis, but I don't have like an organized mastermind group. I have a group of people that I bounce things off of. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a, do you have one? Um, B, do you see value? You know, tell me about your thoughts about mastermind groups. Okay, so I think there's value if you find value in it, and I know that sounds really weird, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, groups aren't for everybody. I do not have a mastermind group that sets, uh, you know, has a specific time to meet every week or biweekly or whatever it may be, but I do have some trusted confidants that I will reach out to, depending on the topic, depending on what right. I need, because everybody in my network, just I would as assume everybody else's <laughs> network is the same different strengths from different people. So right. you're part of that group. Uh, Danny Rose is part of that group. Dana Zezzo, Mark Graham, Paul Bellantone. And I have no qualms about reaching out to people saying, hey, I need your help. Um, I, I don't mind putting myself out there in a vulnerable way. Um, and I do still think, as my first boss in this industry said, the four most powerful words in the English language are, I need your help. Mm. And I, I don't, you know, and if I if I need to get a group consensus on something, which is very rare. I mean, very, really, really, what I want 
in those type of situations is I have an opinion about doing something a certain way and I want to make sure I've thought everything through. Right. And so I, I don't necessarily want people to buy into my vision. I don't get defensive if they disagree with what I'm doing. I want them to question it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that's important that we all create a culture of why. And by that, I mean asking every single thing. Why do you want to do it this way? Why does that? Why do you think that's going to work? Why do you think that's not going to work? Right. And having someone to bounce that off of is critically important. But I do it on a case-by-case basis. I don't have a group. Yeah. Well, I've struggled with that in in my career for a long time. I did not. I didn't have mentors. I didn't have that. And I think as I've grown older, I'm like, I think, I hope I've gotten a little bit wiser in that way that I don't, you know, I used to be, if it's to be, it's up to me. That was my, um, and I think I've gotten a little bit better about saying, well, wait a second. There, there are some really smart people in this world. Maybe I could ask them. So, but I would still say if it's, if it's to be, it is up to me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't want and need other people's inputs. Sure. Um, that I don't want other people's opinions. And most importantly, I need other people to challenge me. Mm. I need other people to say, you know, well, why? Why do you want to do it this way? It's almost right. like one of my favorite movies in the world is uh, Defending Your Life. I don't mm. know if you've ever seen it. <laughs> it's a fabulous movie. Um, and basically a, a, a guy dies and he goes in front of a judge and jury and kind of has to defend his life and how he was a coward and how he uh, shrunk away from responsibility as he watched scenes from his life. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing a project, I want to be able to defend that, not in a defensive way, but I want people to challenge it. Why do you think that works? Why do you think that flows the way it does? Are you sure that's the right way you want things to be? And I really, really think that's that's important feedback to me. But at the end of the day, it's still up to me to implement. It's still up to me to execute. It's still up uh, up to me to make sure that the project gets finished on time and, and, and on budget. Mm, I like it. Awesome. And you know who also makes sure your project's done on time and on budget, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? That would be the good folks at Bam Bam. So that's right. Your partner for domestic rush production of apparel, apparel accessories, and custom sourcing Visit them at BamBams.com. Make it happen fast. I'm telling you, you'll be so glad you did. For sure. And if if that wasn't a platinum-level transition, Kirby, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> Nor do I. Good stuff, man. Excellent. So thanks, as always, for taking the time, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at PromoCorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.